Hey everybody, this is Steve Hutto, and I want to thank you for stopping by and checking out my podcast. I want to share a teaching with you called Have This Attitude. We're going to be talking about the attitude of Jesus and how Paul tells us we need to have the same attitude. But first, I want to tell you that we are Harvest Celebration Ministries. We are at www.harvestcell.com. That's H-A-R-V-C-E-L.com. Harvest Celebration Ministries is a people-supported ministry. We're all about reaching into the nations of Honduras and also the nation of India. In India, we work with Brother G.P. Samuel. I've known his family for 20 years. And um, in uh, Honduras, we work with Pastor Manfredi Zelaya. We work uh, through him to encourage pastors. And in India, too, we work with these contacts, these people, these friends, if you will, Uh, brothers in Christ, families in Christ, to reach uh, people for Jesus, to encourage pastors, to encourage the church. And in Honduras, we also offer sponsorships um, uh, to sponsor needy children. And what these sponsorships provide uh, is school supplies, school clothes, shoes, some food, and a special gift at Christmas time. We offer these sponsorships for $25 a month. Uh, We're fairly new at this, but it's been a blessing, and we literally have sponsors from coast to coast now, even though we're small. And uh, anyway, for more information, check out our website again at www.harvcel.com. And now, have this attitude, Paul says. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, If there is any encouragement in Christ, Paul says, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, Paul said this, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. Now Paul is talking about What makes his joy complete? Now, the first four scenarios or qualities Paul listed deal with how Paul is treated. He said, if there is any encouragement in Christ, he says this, basically, you can encourage me, you can console me, you can offer me consolation of love. He says, we can fellowship in the Spirit and you can show me affection and compassion. But my joy is not complete until, number one, you are of the same mind. Number two, you are maintaining the same love. Number three, you are united in spirit. And number four, you are intent on one purpose. So Paul is making it clear here that the most important thing And what he's addressing them in this incident, or this issue, if you will, is how we treat each other. How they treat each other. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus writes these words, or actually he spoke these words. He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
So Jesus is talking about the new commandment. It's loving each other. He's saying that the, the mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ in the world today, since He came and went to the cross and provided salvation for us, and the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, the promise of the Father from heaven, that the mark of being a follower of Jesus, a Christian, is that we love one another. Now that's a sermon in itself, and I've actually taught on this before, but let me just interject here that that's the mark. If people that are born-again believers in Christ are divided, or they can't find enough common ground in the Word, which is really impossible if you try, then they, they're not identified as followers of Jesus. And you know what that does, friend? That makes the church... That makes that person who is a part of the body of Christ completely ineffective as a Christian. So we have to understand the importance of loving one another. This, Paul is getting to, is the attitude of Christ. It was more about his father than himself, because that's why he came. It was more about you and me and all of mankind than himself. That too is why he came. And Paul says, this is what makes my joy complete. It's good that you can encourage me, console me, we can fellowship, and you can show me affection and compassion. That's great. I, I like that, Paul says. But my, he turns it around. My joy is not complete until you are of the same mind. You are maintaining the same love. You are united in spirit. And you are intent on one purpose. It takes humility to walk in love. I'm going to say that again. It takes humility to walk in love. You see, because humility is all about others and pride is all about self. Again, humility is about other people. And God, of course, first. Pride is all about self. And when pride is in action, self sees no one else. Self only sees, number one, yourself. And again, humility, on the other hand, is about everyone else. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. We're still in 2, but the next couple of verses, verses 3 and 4. He said, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves and do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interests of others. That's a powerful scripture. Paul also said in Romans chapter 12 verse 10, he said, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. This literally means to outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, when is the last time you, <laughs> you kind of got in a battle with someone and you were trying to outdo each other? It, it reminds me of a friend I had once that um, he always loved to buy me lunch. I mean, we, we hung out together a lot and we did some ministry together a lot and, and he always wanted to buy me lunch. And uh, it's like if I ever wanted to buy him lunch, I would literally have to run... Uh, to the to the cashier 
or, or to the, the waitress that collected you know, our payment at the table, I'd literally have to grab their attention first. And he, most of the time, would talk them out of uh, letting me pay. <laughs> and it's like we got into this battle of outdoing one another. And, and I mean, I love to have my meal paid for. What a blessing. But I also like to sew because I know I'm going to get a blessing back. And uh, we outdid one another. At least we tried to. He won most of the time. I, I'll have to say that. But, but uh, that's what we need to do in preferring honor. We must try to outdo each other in preferring honor. And so Paul says, have this attitude. What attitude? The attitude that's in Christ. And that's verse 5. He says, have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ. You know, I think this is a, a very innovative way to look at it. We need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. And we're going to talk about this attitude in just a moment. You know, we have to walk in love. And Paul, let me just go back to this. Paul is, is saying, look, man, I love it when you love on me. I love it when you, when you encourage me, when you console me. I mean, I need that, Paul says. We all need that. But he said, more important to me... You know, Paul was like their mentor. He was the apostle. And Paul was saying, if you really want to make my joy complete, I I would just like to see you folks love on each other and console each other and encourage each other and outdo one another and prefer one another over each other. You see? So he says, have this same attitude that was in Christ. Now he's about to use Jesus as that example. What kind of attitude did Jesus have? Well, as it continues on in Philippians chapter 2, let's look at verses 6 and 7. It said, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or to held on to. But instead, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. God didn't empty him. Satan didn't empty Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. See, that's an attitude. It wasn't about himself in that he held on to his position, but it was less about himself to the point that he emptied himself. And he took on the form, it says, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And let me also interject here something that I think is very interesting, that he took the form of a bondservant. Now listen, The Scripture has already said that he was equal with God. And he emptied himself, and by emptying himself, he took on the form of a bondservant. A bondservant is one who commits to his master to do whatever his master desires eternally. And see, so who did he become a bondservant to? Most most people would think he became a bondservant to mankind. He didn't. He was a servant to mankind, but he wasn't a bondservant. He became a bondservant to Jesus. I mean, excuse me, Jesus did to his Father. Before he came into humanity, he emptied himself and said, Father, I am your servant. Send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he did. That's why when Jesus was on this earth, he said several times, what I say and what I do, I don't do on my own initiative But as I see and hear the Father doing it, that's what I do. Why would He do that? Was Jesus a wimp? No. He was a bondservant who had emptied Himself so He could take on the form of that bondservant and serve 
His God. And one of the things that God wanted Jesus to do was to be made in the likeness of men. Thank God He became one of us. And He took upon the sins of the world in the form of a human, God as a human. And He broke the power of sin over us. But the Scripture says He existed in the form of God. Jesus existed in the form of God. He never stopped being God. Now listen, angels can take the form of humans, but they never stop being angels. Check out Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 about that. Angels many times exist in the form of they take on the form of humans, but they they're still angels. They never stop being angels. Jesus existed in the form of God. But He never stopped being God when He took on the form of humanity. And He took on the form of a bondservant. And then let's continue. Philippians 2.8 Being found in appearance as a man. You see, He was a man too. He humbled Himself, now existing as the form of God, but now in the form of man. As a man, He humbled Himself to the point... Or he, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, about to give up his life, pour out his blood for us, think about how far he was from where he was uh, before, when he was at the right hand of God. I mean, he emptied himself of a lot. He was still God. Thank God for that. But he emptied himself. Think about the humility that Jesus had to put on, had to endure, had to apply in order to go from the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace at the right hand of the Father in all of his splendor and all of his glory and humble himself on down through humanity to the point of humiliation on the cross. Think about that humiliation that Jesus had to go through. But the Scripture says that for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, which included the whole process of execution from start to finish. He endured it for the joy set before Him. So Jesus was that as of a man. He was God and He was man. And of course, we're talking about this this humility, this This attitude of Jesus that Paul says we need to have the same attitude. Thank God we don't have to go to the cross. We don't have to pay for our own sins. But the same principle and the same force, if you will, of humility that is extremely powerful that saved the world. This is the same humility that God and Jesus has made available to us born again of His Spirit because of the humbleness or the humbling that Jesus did for us. Now Paul says this is the attitude that is in Jesus. It's the attitude we should have. Now Paul said in Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing, again, now we'll read that, from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. And verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Wow, you know, <laughs> you know, Paul is not saying that we should make ourselves of no count. We have to remain who we are, but we have to empty ourselves. And when we do that, we 
We serve Him with humility or we serve one another with humility of mind and we regard other people as more important than ourselves. You know, that sounds wimpy to a lot of people. That sounds like, you know, you have no backbone or you you don't know how to stand up for yourself. But, you know, Jesus didn't stand up for Himself. He did say at one point, He said, Do you not know that I could appeal to my Father and He could send me twelve legions of angels and set me free and deliver me from any and everything you would try to do to me? You know, that's about 72,000 angels. Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have come off the cross if He wanted to. He could have floated on back to heaven if He wanted to. But He didn't do it because He emptied Himself in your behalf and in my behalf. Now let's talk about the reward of humility by looking again at Jesus. Paul said, have the same attitude. Let's look at Jesus' attitude and what happened to Jesus as a result of His humility. Uh, Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11. For this reason also... God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow or will bow those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, that's a powerful scripture right there. You see, Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe. The scripture says that when you just mention the name of Jesus, demons shudder. I mean, it's a powerful name. It's by that name and through Him that we're saved. It's by that name that we're victorious. It's in that name that we're delivered and we're healed because it's Jesus who went to the cross for us. It's Jesus who humbled Himself for us. It's Jesus who came up out of the grave three days later and He conquered death, hell, and the grave. So God gave him a name that's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and that every person, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Even those who are in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every, at one point, every tongue, regardless of whether you're in heaven, on earth, or on your way to hell, every tongue will confess and admit to the truth one day as we stand before Jesus that Jesus is Lord. This is a result of what Jesus did. Yes, Jesus was at the right hand of the Father. Yes, He was the second person of the Trinity. But it wasn't until Jesus humbled Himself. Now some of you may think this is a little bit different, but listen, it wasn't until Jesus humbled Himself uh, and become a, became a bondservant of His Father and He came into humanity and He humbled Himself to death on the cross that after Jesus went through the cross, God exalted Him and He gave Him the name above every name. As a result of what Jesus did at Calvary on the cross, Jesus is the name above all names. It's the name by which we are saved. There's no other name, the Scripture said in Acts. Uh, There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus did what He did, but because of what Jesus did, my goodness, God exalted that name above every name that's ever been named. And that's why the name of Jesus is so powerful, my friend. Jesus. Man, demons just trembled when I said that. Jesus. It's a powerful name. we we got to understand that and we must believe that. This is the reward that, that God gave to Jesus for His humility. God highly exalted Him because He emptied Himself. 
God highly exalted Jesus because He humbled Himself. God highly exalted Jesus because He he Himself became a bondservant to God. God highly exalted Jesus because He became a human who died in your place and in my place. So even in Jesus, we could die to self because Jesus died for us. You see, the reward of humility is that God, the Father, exalts you. And He exalts me. You can see it in this example Paul gives us of of the attitude of Jesus that we need to have in ourselves. You can see that humility brings exaltation. You can see that because Jesus humbled Himself, that God exalted Himself and gave Him the name above all names. And in 1 Peter 5.6, Peter says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Now that scripture says that when we walk in humility under God, just like Jesus did, the result just like Jesus was, is that we will be exalted at the proper time. You see, we don't humble ourselves in order to be exalted. We humble ourselves because we understand that we are bond servants through Jesus to God the Father. But we do understand that God is in control when we do and that God knows what's best, and in in His timing, at His proper time, He will exalt us. But we have to humble ourselves before we are exalted. And when we are exalted, we're exalted the way God so chooses, not the way we pre-choose or preconceive before we humble ourselves or when we're humbling ourselves. You see, it's, it's all about Him and less about us. But the reward is, the reward of humility is exaltation by God the Father Himself. Now listen carefully as I close. Humility is placing yourself in a position to cast all your anxiety upon Him. Jesus did the same. He's our example. Humility is placing yourself, or you could say emptying yourself laying aside yourself and your privileges, which puts you in a position to cast all your cares, all your anxiety on Him. And when you do that, you are also in position for God to lift you up, to bless you in any way that He so chooses. But we humble ourselves under His mighty hand. And we consider others more important than ourselves. We try to outdo one another in preferring honor to each other. And again, as I close, let me just, let me just get this in real quick. We have too much division in the body of Christ. Paul said we need to be of the same, same mind toward one another. And as we are the same mind toward one another, we have to maintain the same love with one another. We need to be united in spirit. We need to be intent on one purpose. You know... Uh, Paul said, I determined, I believe it was in 2 Corinthians, he said, I I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus and Jesus crucified. 
You see, that's all he cared about. I mean, you can have your differences, but you don't need to make those differences be dividing walls uh, between you and other members. If you can agree on one fact, that Jesus is Lord, and, and the fact that Jesus went to the cross to break the power of sin over the world, you have enough to be in complete unity with another believer. And so Paul says, look, just, just determine one thing, that you know Jesus, you know about His crucifixion, and that we can agree on anything else because that would be the basis. Or we can disagree on anything else because that would be the basis for our unity. And so it comes through having the same attitude that Jesus had, the attitude of humility. Let me encourage you, my friend, take it to heart. Get before God. Get in the presence of God. Humble yourself. Lay aside yourself. Empty yourself and let God exalt you and walk with Jesus in the same attitude that He walked in and watch God exalt you and His people and His kingdom on this earth. And when they see the love that we have for each other, then they will know, as Jesus Himself said, that we are followers of Jesus Himself. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today or logging on, stopping by. And I pray that you have a blessed day and we'll see you next time. Spread the word about my my podcast. God bless.